And flip over to Mark chapter number 15. Mark chapter number 15. And if you follow along this morning, um, you don't get any candy. I'm sorry. So, all right. But uh, if you come by, if you really, if you really uh, beg me, I might give you one. We'll just have to see what happens. All right. Mark chapter number 15 is where we're going to be this morning. So find your way there. Well, this is a great crowd. Compared to last week, we had a lot of people that were out last week with sickness ends up. And we've got a lot of people uh, that are out this week because of illness and things like that. But praise God for everybody that's here. And it's good to have some people here that uh, uh, have traveled a little bit of a distance. Good to have some people here that, that don't normally come. And so good to see you, Ty and Kelsey. Good to see you guys. And uh, what a blessing it is uh, for everybody that's, that's here this morning. Looking forward to diving into God's Word together. Uh, do continue to be in prayer for the Sanders family. I know we mentioned last week. We sent out a text message uh, last week that uh, in Sunday afternoon um, that uh, Mike had found out that his dad had passed away unexpectedly um, back over in Pennsylvania. And uh, many of you um, had the opportunity to meet him. He was just here during hunting season uh, and went hunting with Mike. And so we had the opportunity to get to meet him. And, uh, and so pray for the Sanders family. They're back in Pennsylvania right now with, uh, with, her, with uh, his dad's uh, funeral. And so just be in prayer for their, their whole family back that direction. All right, Mark chapter number 15 is where we are this morning. Find your way there. As we get started here, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into God's word together this morning. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to meet together, to open your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we do that, that you would, God, bring our thoughts into captivity and be able to focus on your word. God, I pray that you would help each one from the oldest to the youngest to be able to listen and to be able to hear from you. And God, I pray that as we look at these important scriptures this morning, that we would be challenged and that we would know you in a deeper and a more passionate way. I pray, God, for those that are watching, joining online, God, that that they too, God, would be able to hear from you and you would speak to them as well. God, I thank you for all that you do for us. I look forward, God, to what you're going to do this morning. Fill me with your spirit now as I preach. And God, we pray all of this in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we finally turn the page into a new chapter, Mark chapter number 15, Jesus has now been betrayed by his disciples. The high priests have condemned him. Peter has now completely denied him. And this has all taken place in the middle of the night. This, of course, was illegal for a trial that had just taken place that we looked at last week. Uh, the trial as the chief priest had brought Jesus and had brought accusations against him. This was illegal for that to take place in the middle of the night. So we see in verse number one that, that in the morning time they gather together so that they can add their legalness to it. They can make this corrupt trial official. In verse number 1 it says, And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus, carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. So we see here, the rooster has now now crowed, the sun is beginning to rise, and we come to Mark chapter number 15. Before this chapter is over, Jesus will be dead. Before the chapter is finished, he will be laid in the tomb. While many chapters in the book of Mark stretch on many for days, some stretch on for months even, this chapter will stretch only a few hours. But they are the most painful and somber hours of Christ's life. This morning as we begin, we see first of all this, that Jesus is delivered. 
Look there again at verse number 1, will you? The Bible again says, And straightway in the morning the chief priests had a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried Him away. And if you mark your Bible, maybe underline that last little phrase. He says this, And delivered Him to Pilate. Jesus was delivered. The day had come. For the plan to come to fruition. But this was not a surprise to Jesus, his delivery to Pilate. He had foretold of it with the exact words in Mark chapter number 10, verse number 33. It says this, saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Jesus is telling his disciples, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Jesus knew that he was going, that the Sanhedrin were going to take him, were going to condemn him and we're going to deliver him to be put to death Jesus knew this was going to take place a short time later as Peter would preach on Solomon's porch in Acts chapter number 3 Peter would remind the people he would say in verses 13 and 14 the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob the God of your fathers hath glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was condemned uh, was determined to let him go but he denied the Holy One and just and desired to mur- the, a murderer to be granted unto you you see All of this had been foretold. Peter reflecting back, he says, listen, you delivered him up. But it wasn't just the Jews who delivered Jesus. When Peter addressed that crowd on that day of Pentecost, listen to what he said in Acts chapter number 2, verses 22 and 23. It says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and knowledge of God ye have taken, and by wicked hands of crucified and slain him the bible tells us that god knew what was going to take place that this was by the foreknowledge of god it was not just the jews that had delivered jesus on that day no god the father delivered his own son to be the sacrifice for us In Romans chapter number 8, again we see in verse 32, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Just a few weeks ago as we were preaching and talking about the, 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 the birth of Christ, we went all the way back to Genesis chapter number 3. And we saw in the Scriptures God's plan being spoken. God's plan being shared for the very first time after Adam and Eve had sinned. After Adam and Eve had taken and eaten of that fruit. We find for the very first time God sharing what His plan was that one day the seed of woman would come. The Bible from the very beginning before the foundations of the world God had determined that Jesus would be delivered up to be crucified and put to death for you and for me and it was determined that Jesus would be delivered so that why so that you and so that I could be delivered but understand somewhere in eternity past God the Father and God the Son made that decision together 
that Jesus would be delivered. Because John chapter number 10 tells us this, Therefore doth my Father love me, Jesus says, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. Listen, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, listen, no man is going to take this from me. No man is going to deliver me except I allow myself to be delivered. Jesus Christ on that day, listen, friend, God used finite sinful man to fulfill His plan, but don't forget, it was God's plan. God loved you. He loved me so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on that cross. It was all part of His plan. He was never out of control. It was Jesus who chose to lay down His life willingly for you and for me. And on this morning, we see that Jesus was delivered to Pilate. But as we go on, we see next that after Jesus was delivered, that Pilate was stunned. Look with me at verse number 2. The Bible says this, And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? This is an interesting turn of events. I don't know if you recall from last week, I know it was seven days ago, but last week as we were going through and as we were looking at the trial that the high priest and the scribes had had put Jesus on and as they were accusing Him of all these different things and nothing was sticking, nothing was, was staying on Him. No sin could they convict Him of. Why? Because Jesus had never sinned. But But we would all remember what it was that finally stuck on Jesus. In verse number 61, the, the, the high priest came down and he asked Jesus, he says, Art thou the Christ, the, the Son of the blessed? Are you the Son of God? When Jesus said yes, they had their crime that they could fit with their predetermined punishment. Blasphemy. Uh, surely this man who claims to be the Son of God, he, he can't really be God. They found their crime that now they would take Him and they would put Him to death for. There was just one problem. The Jews didn't put people to death. So they had to use the Romans. The Roman government. But there was another problem. The Roman government didn't put people to death for blasphemy. So as Jesus is brought before Pilate, another charge has been leveled, levied against him. Look at what he said. In verse number 61 of chapter number 14, he was accused of being uh, the Son of God. But in verse number 2 of chapter number 15, what is he called? Art thou the King of the Jews? No, it was true. He was. He is. But not in the way that they meant it. You see, Jesus was being brought before Pilate with a charge of insurrection. Treason. They charged that Jesus claimed to be king and that he was stirring up the people. Listen, friend, you'll remember just, just, I mean, a short while ago as we looked as Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that donkey. 
And as all the people took their palm leaves in their coats and they laid them down in the street before him as he entered in and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. But what they were requesting Jesus to save them from was the Roman government. What they thought Jesus was going to do was come come in and overthrow the Roman government that was oppressing them. That's why when we preached about it, we mentioned uh, it wasn't really a triumphal entry. In fact, it was the not-so-triumphal entry. They all thought He was coming to overthrow the government. Jesus was coming to overthrow their sin. They thought He was coming to save them from the oppression. Jesus was coming to save them from their punishment. Now the Sanhedrin, they delivered Jesus before Pilate. Not with a charge of blasphemy, but with a charge of insurrection, of treason. But Pilate was not friendly with the religious crowd. He had no interest in, 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 in doing them any favors and helping them out at all. In fact, he had nothing to do with the religious sect. Pilate was a government official. He was a politician. In fact, we know that Pilate believed, Pilate knew that Jesus when it was innocent. In verse number 10, if you look just a few verses later, we find that Pilate knew exactly why they were doing what they were doing. It says that he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. Not because he was guilty of a crime, but because they were jealous of him. Because they hated him and they were envious of him. In verse number 14, Pilate cries out and he says, What has he done? What did he do? Why? What evil hath he done? Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. In John's gospel, Pilate's own wife warns him not to have anything to do with the judgment and the trial of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was an innocent man. But Pilate was a corrupt man. Politician. Pilate lived with the fear of man. And he was more interested in saving face, in giving the people what they wanted, than standing by the truth. Look what the Bible says in, in, in chapter number 15, verses 2 through 5. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. We see later that finally, Pilate, as he fell to the will of the people, looked down at verse number Verse number 15, it says this, And so Pilate, willing to content the people. Oh, he was a corrupt politician. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I don't know. But even the corrupt politician could not hide his amazement. In verse number 2, as he asked that question, Are you the king of the Jews? 
Mark answer, Mark, Mark gives us Jesus' answer very concisely. Thou sayest it. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, what you're saying is true. You've said it with your own mouth. Yes, I am the king of the Jews. But Mark gives us a quick snapshot of, of what takes place in this passage. The Bible gives us further in depth into what this conversation looked like in John chapter number 18. In verse number 33, the Bible says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? There it is again. And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou the thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee of me? He said, is, Are you asking for yourself, or are you asking if somebody else told you? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Jesus looks and he says, if, if, if this was my kingdom, yes, I am the king of the Jews, but if this was my kingdom, why, where are my soldiers? Where are the people that would rise up in defense of me, that would fight for me? Where are they? Oh, I mean, the best that you could say were the disciples, and they all forsook him and fled. He says, my, my kingdom isn't of this world. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into this world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What is Jesus saying? He looks at Pilate and he says, Pilate, yes, I am a king. I am the king of the Jews, but not in the way that you think. I am not an earthly king. I have not come to overthrow the Roman government. I have not come to obtain some political power and authority on this earth. No, Pilate, I am not the king like you imagine. I am not the king just of this region. No, I am the king that is coming that will be the king of this world. Verse number three, the accusations begin to fly by those chief priests once again. You can almost hear it. It's almost as if they start to quiver a little bit. I mean, they've been in this situation so many times before where they tried to catch Jesus in his words and tried to twist this and tried to catch him here. And We've seen over and over again as the scribes and as the Pharisees, as the, the groups of the Sanhedrin would come and they would question Jesus and try to trip him up. And over and over again, Jesus would give questions and answers that would just absolutely stump him. And they would be left walking away going, oh, he got away again. You almost hear them in this moment. I mean, they're starting to panic. I mean, they've got him in the place that they want him. Now all they got to do is get Pilate on their side to condemn him so that they can crucify him, so they can put him to death. I mean, all they got to do is get Pilate on their side, and now Pilate is wavering. He hasn't done anything. He's not guilty of anything. Why? What are you guys, why are you even bringing him to me? So in verse number three, they begin to come up with stuff again. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Here they are. They begin to throw out and levy accusations against him that nothing again is sticking. Uh, we, we get an idea of some of the things that they were accusing him of from Luke chapter number 23. It says, and they began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nations. 
He, he was trying to create an insurrection to rebel against you, Pilate, against the Roman government. And forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, he was telling people not to pay taxes. Saying that he himself is Christ the King. Now listen, you have walked with me along in this journey of Mark. We've been here for quite some time, okay? We started in August of 2020. It's been a while. And, and since August 2020, as we began and we walked through the book of Mark, has Jesus ever once tried to create an insurrection to rebel against the Roman government? No, never once. I mean, we have the very instance where, where they brought a coin and they said, hey, listen, is it lawful us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Should we pay our taxes or not? And Jesus said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and give to God that which is God's. So they are just telling flat out, bold-faced lies. These people that are supposed to be motivated and driven by the truth are sitting here telling lies about the Son of God so that they can try to trip Him up, so that they can try to catch Him. None of it was true. And Pilate was stunned by this person. Because... Anyone else that would be accused of crimes worthy of death would speak for themselves. Would cry out in self-defense. Every other person would have spoken out and cried out and said, They're liars. There's no truth behind it. There's absolutely nothing. I've never done these things. Verse number four. And Pilate asked him again saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. Don't you have anything to say for yourself? But Jesus answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. When Pilate asked Jesus if he had not anything to say, Jesus remained, remained silent. And Pilate marveled because Jesus refused to defend himself. How could an innocent man not defend himself against false accusers? It's in our very humanity and human nature that when people levy accusations against us for us to stand up and say that's not the truth and to defend ourselves. And the truth is, is any one of us in this room, if it had been us on that day, we would have stood there and said, that's not true. I never did that. I'm not guilty of that. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. That's what any of us would have done. But Jesus remained silent. And as Pilate watched this innocent man take the false accusations hurled at him, he was stunned, the Bible says. He marveled. He couldn't believe it. Jesus was delivered to Pilate. Pilate was stunned by Jesus' response. And then we see this this morning. Barabbas is released. Barabbas is released. On that morning, there was another man who was in chains besides Jesus. On that morning, there was another man that was bound other than Jesus. Barabbas was a criminal. 
with all this talk about insurrections and things like that today, uh, it's, it's interesting. Listen, Barabbas was a real insurrectionist. We don't know if he was the leader or just one in the group. But he had attempted to overthrow the Roman government and in the process had murdered people. He was a thief, the Bible tells us. And as we've already mentioned, the punishment for insurrection and murder was death. That day his punishment would be carried out by crucifixion. There was a post of a cross already in place on a hill. No doubt he had gotten very little sleep that night. Barabbas had seen his last sunset. Barabbas had pillowed his head for the last time. He had eaten his last meal. Within hours he would pay for the crimes and sins that he had committed. But at that Passover feast, in an attempt to foster the goodwill of the people, it was a Roman custom for Pilate to release one prisoner to the people, whoever they chose. So look with me at verse number 6. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. They began crying out, Hey Pilate, it's, it's your duty. You're supposed to release a prisoner to us. You're supposed to let somebody go. And, and so Pilate... Trying to, you know, navigate this situation. Trying to finagle his way out. He brings up Barabbas. He thinks to himself, surely, surely these people will choose Barabbas to go to the cross and let Jesus be free. Pilate digs the worst of the criminals that he can find in his eyes. And he brings out Barabbas, this man who was convicted of the very crime that they were accusing Jesus of. This man who who had taken the lives of people that many of those in the crowd would have known. This man who many had waited for this day to come so they could watch him pay for his crimes. So Pilate brings Barabbas forward, believing surely these people will see past their envy, will look past their pride, and will be swayed by their hatred for this man, this man, Barabbas. Verse number 9. But Pilate answers them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? You can see Barabbas standing there. He's saying, which one? Do you want this person who's, who's done all of these miracles, all these teachings, all the things that you've witnessed and, and, and you're jealous of? Or do you want us to crucify Barabbas, the convicted murderer, convicted thief, This convicted 
insurrectionist. Which one? The Bible tells us that the chief priest begin to move through the people, trying to sway their opinions in verse number 11. The chief priests, they moved through the people that he should rather release Barnabas or Bar- Barabbas unto him. Walking through the crowd, stirring up the people. No, let, let Barabbas go. We want Jesus to be crucified. People that maybe once were standing there just a few moments before and saying, yeah, let's crucify Barabbas are now starting to say, yeah, yeah, let's crucify Jesus. Let's put him on the cross. Let Barabbas go. Hey, let Barabbas go. Let Barabbas go. Crucify Jesus. Let Barabbas go. They begin to cry out. They begin to call out. Verse number 12, And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? Okay. Then what... What should we do with Jesus? You want Barabbas? You got him. What should we do with Jesus? Will you release him? Will you change your ways and follow him? Will you believe that he is who he claims to be? What are you going to do with Jesus? And their answer rings out clear in verse number 13. They cried out again. Crucify him. Crucify him. Put him on Barabbas' cross. It's already in the ground there. Don't put him in the prison. Crucify him. And Pilate's response in verse number 14. Why? What? Crucify him? Why? What evil hath he done? Pilate knew he was innocent. And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! So verse number 15. Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them. And here it is again. And delivered Jesus. A murderer for the Messiah. A real insurrectionist for the innocent. A sinner for the Savior. We don't know what Barabbas' response was on that day. We have no idea. We, We have no way of really knowing. Maybe as he walked away, he thanked the people. Hey, thanks for letting me go. Thanks, thanks for releasing me. Maybe he thought his freedom came from Pilate. Maybe he thought it was the result of some of his insurrectionist friends manipulating and working in the back. But that day, it was Jesus that set him free from the cross. Jesus took his place. You see, it was Barabbas' whipping posts that he should have endured. It was Barabbas' cross that he should have been nailed to. It was Barabbas' spear that should have pierced his side. 
But friend, understand today, it wasn't just Barabbas' whipping. It was mine. It wasn't just Barabbas' cross. Yes, he was guilty, but listen, friend, it was mine. It wasn't just Barabbas' spear. It was mine. And friend, Jesus took your place and my place on that cross to pay for your sins and for mine. You and I are the Barabbas in this story. I don't know what Barabbas' response was on that day. But our response today ought to be absolute gratitude. Thankfulness to Christ that you can't help but express to others. A desire to live your life for Him because He gave His life for you. And if you're here today and you woke up this morning condemned in your sins... You can pillow your head like Barabbas did on that night, a free man or woman. You can be free from your sins because you can accept the gift of salvation that's through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 5 verse number 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners... We deserve the cross. We deserve the scourging. We deserve the beating. We deserve to be spit on. We deserve to be nailed to. We deserve to be crucified. We deserve to be mocked. Each and every one of us. That was our cross. But He commended. He demonstrated. He showed His love to us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was nailed on that cross for you and for me. Barabbas didn't deserve the freedom he received that day. He deserved to be crucified. He just accepted that freedom. And friend, this morning there is nothing that you or I can do to receive it either. All you or I can do is accept Christ's payment in your place. As we finish this morning, my question to you is the same question that Pilate asked the mob in verse number 12. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Will you... Allow Him to take your pain and your punishment on that cross? Will you reject His payment of death on that cross for you? If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, listen friend, how in the world can you reject what He did? Can you see Him today as He's crucified for you? As He willingly takes it and says nothing as He takes your place? Can you reject Him? Can you deny Him? What will you do with Jesus or will you receive the free gift of eternal life that's through Jesus Christ, the Lord? Will you ask Him to forgive you for your sins? If you've never done that, friend, I'm not asking if you've had an experience. I'm not asking if you saw some bright light, friend. I'm asking, has there ever been a moment in your life where you recognize that you were a sinner? Listen, friend, it does not matter if you're the toughest guy in this room. Every one of us will give an account before God one day. 
Every one of us will stand before the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on your seat at home and you're watching the service this morning. Every one of us will stand before God one day and we will give an account of what we do with Jesus when it comes to our salvation. Friend, will you receive Him? Or will you reject Him? Will you receive the gift that He offers? The gift of eternal life? Or will you stand in the crowd and say, Ah, crucify Him, I don't want it. Will you go on living your life like Jesus never took your place and died for you? Oh, listen, friend, you may be here today and you've accepted that gift of salvation, but you've rejected giving your life to Him. He's the Savior of your soul, but you've refused to make Him the God of your life. What will you do with Jesus today? Will you cower away and deny Him when the pressure comes like Peter? Will you forsake Him and flee like the disciples did when things got tough? Will you bow to the crowd like Pilate did? Or will you choose to stand for Him? We've only just begun into 2022. And if we are going to see real change take place in our lives for Christ this year, it's only going to happen outside of our comfort zone. It's only going to happen whenever we decide not to just bow to the crowd and reject Jesus and deny Him and forsake Him and flee when the pressure comes, but choose to stand for Him no matter what may come. Friend, this morning, if you woke up a free man or woman today because of Christ, Romans chapter number 12 tells us it's only reasonable to give your life for him. What will you do with Jesus? And that answer will be different for every person today. Every person today. There may be some here that will just flat out just deny him. No thanks. I don't want his gift. You may not say it audibly with your lips, but in your heart, nope, nope, not for me. I don't want it. There may be some here that you see what Jesus has done for you, and He died on that cross, and you're going to say, wow, that was nice. And I'm so glad that I received His gift, but that's good enough for me. But there may be some here that will say, Jesus, you gave everything for me. Your whole life, you died on that cross for me. God, it's just reasonable for me to give my life back to you. You see, the answer will be different for every person. But every person must answer. And this morning, before the service ends... Before you leave the doors of this church, I hope you'll answer that question. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? There's some that may be here that that will say just like some did at the end of the Apostle Paul's message as he preached at Mars Hill. And you'll say, maybe next time. Friend, there's no guarantee that there's a next time. There's no guarantee that there's a next time to get saved 
There's no guarantee that there's a next time to surrender. What a shame it would be to wake up in God's presence and you accepted Him as Savior, but you chose to do nothing for Him. And as the crowns are cast at Jesus' feet, you stand there with your hands empty because you chose to do nothing. Ah, maybe next time. Maybe another day. Maybe next year. No, no, friend. Decide today that it's not just going to be another Sunday where we come and we sit in our seats and then we get up and we leave. Decide today that it's not just going to be another Sunday where the preacher preaches a message about a familiar story that we already know about. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, I can tell the story. And we're so callous to it and we do nothing with it. Decide today. Jesus, I choose to give you my everything. It's only reasonable. It only makes sense to give everything for you. Friend, this morning, what will you do with Jesus? Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to have a brief time of invitation. This morning, if the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. We don't often do this, but I want to just ask you a couple of questions. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I have never made that decision to accept Christ as my Savior. I've never done that. Maybe you've sat in a lot of services. Maybe this is the first service you've ever been to in your life. But you say, you know what, I've never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Kyle, what in the world does that look like? What do I have to do? I mean, do I have to do, I have to do something to receive the gift of eternal life? How did, what does that even mean? How does that even work? From the Bible, is very clear. It tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You say, Kyle, those are some funny words. I, listen, they're right out of the Bible. That's what the Bible says. If you're here this morning and if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if there has never been a time that you could go back to, listen, friend, whenever I was nine years old, I could take you to the place where I prayed and said, God, I know that I am a sinner. Say, Kyle, do you remember the exact words? No, but I remember the moment that I made that decision. Can you remember a moment, a time where you made that decision? If you can't, then friend, this morning, you can get it nailed down. You can pray right where you're, seat, where, where you're seated. Maybe you're at home, you can pray right on your couch. And you can just say, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I deserve to be on that cross just like Barabbas did. But I know that Jesus took my place. And I ask Him to forgive me for my sins. I'm trusting in Him, in Him alone. You say, Kyle, is it really that easy? It seems too easy. There's got to be something to it. Listen, friend, God says that that's all that it is. That's, that's all that it takes for salvation. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I hope right where you're seated this morning that you'll pray that. 
Friend, if you do know Christ as your Savior, what are you doing with Him? Are you telling others about Him? Are you sharing Jesus with those you come into contact with? Or are you taking Jesus and just kind of hiding Him away and you pull Him out on Sunday mornings? And you come to church and you show Him, yeah, yeah, yeah look, look, I got Jesus, yeah, I got Jesus. And then when you walk out of the doors of the church, you just kind of put Him away. Oh, listen, friend, what a life. A life that will end in sorrow. Because you get to the end of it and do nothing for Him. This morning, would you purpose in your heart, God, help me. Help me, God. I want to be used by you to tell others about Jesus. With heads bowed and with eyes closed this morning, let's stand together. The music is going to play.